You're listening to the Morphology Podcast. Thanks for tuning in to the Morphology Podcast, aka Murph here to share interviews about biking experiences from cyclists who have pedaled to places all over. Each week, we'll get to know new people and explore new destinations to ride your bike. As you listen to these adventures, you may wonder, why haven't I done that yet? Well, I'm still living the adventure of a lifetime, riding my bike across the United States. As of today, I'm taking a much needed rest day off the bike in Austin, Texas, enjoying the luxury of a real bed while I stay with my brother and his family. Tomorrow, we'll be back at it, starting day 35 of 63 days. We're using the Adventure Cycling Southern Tier Route going west to east. We started in San Diego, California. Man, that seems like a long time ago. And we've pedaled across California, Arizona, New Mexico, and right now we're a little over halfway through Texas. We have had great luck with weather so far, as well as courteous drivers on the road. And I'm happy to report my team... We're still getting along after this much time together. So Andrea from the Just Go Bike podcast called me, and I gave her an update on my last few weeks on the road. So here is Andrea and I talking about life on the bike. Enjoy. Well, hey, Murph. It's great to talk to you again after a whole week. I could hardly stand it. Yahoo! How are you doing, AP? I'm great. I've been out biking all over the place, so... I'm doing good. How are you? Good, good. Yeah, I have noticed that you have been um, outside of Iowa doing some biking. Is that true? That is true. I had a chance to go biking in, of all places, Kearney, Nebraska. And I'll tell you what, it was actually awesome. Awesome. Actually, I have, um, back in my early, early days, I worked retail for a while. And I don't know if listeners remember, but it was called the Brass Buckle. And then, you know, they Mm. dropped the word brass, so then it became the buckle. But their corporate office is in Kearney, Nebraska. So I used to go there every year for, like, manager meetings. There's so many cool things there. That's awesome because I rode on a bike path called the Kearney Hike and Bike Trail, and it goes past that corporate office. Oh, does it? (laughs) Or at least a warehouse. Yeah, (laughs) that's awesome. (laughs) But the trail goes both through the campus of University of Nebraska-Lincoln, go Hawkeyes, And it also goes the other direction into the Fort Kearney State Park, which the time of year that I rode it was filled to the brim with sandhill cranes, which are migrating from Mexico to Canada. Oh, wow. So I saw like 300,000 cranes and ducks and other waterfowl while biking, and it was just incredible. Oh, my gosh. That's awesome. And it makes the bike ride so much more interesting when you're watching things, you know, while you're pedaling your miles. Absolutely. Now, the one trick is to stay on your bike while you're trying to look <laughs> over your shoulder the whole time. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's awesome. I, it, next time I'm bringing my binoculars, though. So Yeah, but that sounds like good ragbrae training. Absolutely. It was obviously extremely flat, but the wind there is no joke. Ah, yeah. <laughs> so ah, yeah. I would love to go back there someday and do some more wind training. Yeah. Not. <laughs> you, know, you know, speaking of ragbrae, I believe... I know that I'm right because I have it on my calendar, but RAGBRAI registration has closed, hasn't it? That's right. The week-long registration is closed. Uh, Wait, what about the procrastinators? You can get your day passes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) I've told that story several times that I missed the registration, but I was able to get seven day passes. So I still made it on my RAGBRAI. 
That's right. So it is good. It's bad if you missed the day, but you can do your day passes. Um, closing week-long registration also allows us to assign wristband numbers, which will allow the overnight towns to open up their housing request forms oh. and also their parking request forms. So it's good to be in this place. Yeah, it's hard. So people can start making their plans. It's hard to remember that, you know, as somebody who rides RAGBRAI, I might look at my calendar and be like, why do I have to register so early? But it's it, it's mind-blowing how much goes on behind the scenes, like you just mentioned, with housing and parking and, you know, some little elf has to, or many elves have to get all those packets together, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The elves are going to start packing the packets in about two weeks. Wow. So that's awesome. I know. Uh, so the, I would say the other thing to remind writers of, if you don't want to get seven day passes, which I don't see why you wouldn't want to, this also opens up the door for purchasing somebody else's week long wristband who can no longer make it on the ride or for whatever reason doesn't want their wristband anymore. And that will open up May 1st, which is only two weeks from now. Oh, so cool. And and there's also an option. Uh, where can people find that if they're like, I want to buy someone's wristband or I want to sell my wristband? Well, there's a couple of different places and it's sort of just up to you. But the top two places I would say are the RAGBRAI forums, ragbrai.com slash forums. And I'm sort of the moderator over there. So if something is going wrong with that, you just send me a note um, on andrea.ragbrai.com. The other place that you can usually find wristbands with no problem is on the unofficial RAGBRAI Facebook group. Just go to Facebook and look up RAGBRAI XLIX 2022 and it'll pop right up. Mm, okay, cool. So there you go. I wanted to take a second to give a quick shout out to Mark Pelly and the Drink to Ride Club. Ooh. They sent us a really nice note and video. Uh, I, I don't know when they sent it, but I saw it yesterday. <laughs> so it was really fun to meet those guys on the ride and great to hear from you. And uh, sorry about to read about your team member who broke his femur. But Ooh. otherwise, before that, it looked like they were having a really awesome time. So I hope you can come back this year and... Um, I don't know if revenge yourself is the right word, but you know, <laughs> make up for lost time. And I will give a also a shout out to Mark Pelly, which I assume is the same Mark Pelly, but he donated to our Alzheimer's Foundation for our ride. Oh, yay. I know. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. All right. So speaking of Alzheimer's Foundation, um, let's give the writers just a really quick update on what have you been doing and what we're going to be talking about on this podcast mainly today. Yeah, so this episode is going to be another update from Murph. What did you call it? Murph on the road? Murph on the trail? Tales from the trail. <laughs> Tales from the trail. So yeah, I am in the middle of riding across the United States on my bicycle, and I'm doing it with a very small group, but we're doing it to raise awareness and funds for the Alzheimer's Association. Um, people may or may not know this, but when my father passed away, he had dementia. And the leader of our team, Jenny Lorenz, her mom is currently suffering from Alzheimer's. So we decided to um, marry the idea of we all love biking and bi riding across the United States was like a huge bucket list item. But then to take that and raise money along the way. So it's been incredible. And guess what, Andrea? We are over halfway done. OMG! I know. Congratulations. Yay! How does that feel? Um, exhausting, to be honest with you. <laughs> and um, it's it's pretty cool. We're following what's called the Southern Tier through Adventure Cycling. And so it's a pretty specific map. And it has us landing in Austin, Texas, 
uh, for this segment. And what's so cool about Austin, Texas, it's it's where my brother and his family live. So oh, yay. at this very moment, I got to sleep in a real bed last night, and I'm in their home recording. So you don't have to worry about all the wind and the birds and noises from in the background. <laughs> so... <laughs> I kind of miss hearing those birds if like you could just cheep every once in a while. <laughs> we could we would add a little ambiance. Yeah, we could add a sound of a bird chirping every once in a while. But. <laughs> no, I'm glad you had a good rest and I'm glad you're maybe over halfway just slightly now. So Yeah, we are. I'm just Yep. That's a huge accomplishment. So I can't wait to hear more about it. So let's see. I saw you had your obviously you posted to Instagram. You've been posting all the way across the country and I saw your halfway there post and I have a bunch of questions. Oh boy, here we go. So, okay. So first of all, it said that your group has eaten over 29 cans of Pringles. That's almost a can a day, Murph. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I'm proud or a little embarrassed at that uh, fun fact. <laughs> yeah. So what's your favorite flavor of Pringles? We all love just the red, the original. Um, mm. like, um, our support driver will go get groceries, you know, while we're out biking and somehow Pringles ends up on the list every single time we need to get groceries. <laughs> and so he started buying like four or five cans at a time. And there is a can of sour cream and onion. I think it's the blue can and it somehow has been sitting there for a couple of weeks. So it's obvious <laughs> it's not our Pringle of choice, but I think, you know, in real life, when I'm not on my bike every day, I do not really enjoy eating Pringles. But for some reason, yeah. they have the perfect amount of crunch and salt, and they're really easy. You know, they aren't like mm. a bag of chips where your hands are going to get all greasy. So it's funny because our support driver kind of goes ahead of us about 15 miles, and then he'll wait and we'll, you know, get there. And then immediately we fill up our water bottles and we start eating something. And those, that can of Pringles <laughs> is so easy. So yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's just funny. And we're all like, what? We ate, uh, what? 29 <laughs> cans? But I admire that you were keeping track of that. I mean... <laughs> It is funny. Yeah. So and for those of you listening who maybe don't know, um, we have an Instagram page and a Facebook page called Team Biking to Remember. And I post every day kind of a little stats sheet of our mileage, our elevation, and then some fun pictures. And so when we got to the halfway point, I included an actual post of uh, fun stats so far on the trip. So that was one of the stats was that we've eaten... 29 cans worth of Pringles. <laughs> and that's not each, that's total for the whole group. Yes. So, you know, give yourselves a little credit. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's one of the stats I had a question about. So the other question I had a stat about, or the other stat I had a question about was, you said you had 15 tire punctures as a group and a broken spokes, other mechanical issues. How do you deal with those on the road and how's your bike holding up? Oh yeah, that's a great question. So yeah, we've had, we've had 15 tire punctures that we know of, but um, mm -hmm. the interesting thing is that we all are on um, more of adventure bikes. So the tires are real big mm -hmm. and very sturdy and we all are set up on tubeless. So what tubeless mm. means is there's literally no tube inside the tire, but there's this weird fluid that is liquid oh. when you squirt it in there. But when you get a tire puncture, that liquid goes into the hole 
and plugs it back Mm. up. So like I will, if I were to look at my tire right now, actually I can't look at it anymore because I had to replace it, but you'll (laughs) see little tiny, um, like puncture, you know, you, there was obviously punctures at some time. It might be thorns or nails, but if that fluid can get in there right away, it somehow solidifies. And I'm sure there's somebody out there listening right now going, that's not how it works. (laughs) But I just know it's liquid inside the tire and somehow it goos out and turns into a tire that's still rideable. So, um, wow. So what'll happen? Like the one happened with me as I'm biking along and then all of a sudden I can feel liquid on my calf and I'm like, what's going on? You know, I must be sweating or I drip something. And then I look down, I can see white fluid. And so I know that there's a tire puncture. And so what you do is you stop riding, you put the puncture on the ground and then that goo somehow solidifies and then boom, you know, 30 seconds later, you're back on your bike and going. So it's been pretty cool. But yesterday coming into Austin, it's really, really hilly in this area. And Mm. somehow I got like a weird bulge on the back of my tire. And luckily Mm. we made it into Austin. I got to give a shout out to Mellow Johnny's, which is the Um, bike shop in downtown Austin, made it there and showed them the bulge on the back tire. And they're like, oh yeah, the something, something is separating something. (laughs) You know, they, I don't know. He used uh, technical terms and said, I needed a new back tire. So I said goodbye to my old tire. I don't know how many punctures were actually in it, but it, it got me through 1600 miles. I was very thankful. Yeah. I'll say that's probably enough miles yeah, for one time. Yeah, and, you know. and so that happened quite a few times because, um, you know, we're riding on shoulders on the interstates uh, when it's appropriate and also just roads, you know, the shoulders are just full of stuff. So well, sure. we're very thankful that we're on bigger tires and um, we've all had to replace a back tire now because of uh, punctures or issues. And then one of our guys has had, I think three spokes broken so far. And a fun fact that I did not know is when you have a broken spoke, you can just take it and weave it around another spoke and then continue on your journey. Just keep on your way. Yeah. Yeah. So, but not forever. No, he ended up getting it fixed yesterday, but it went probably a week and a half where he was able to ride it with a broken spoke. Oh, wow. That's technology these days. I know. I'm telling you. It's crazy. <laughs> so, yeah. That's really neat. I mean, imagine how much time you saved yourselves on flat tires with these tubeless tires that you have. Oh, for sure. It's yeah, it's been I would say it was it's a game changer. We did have one guy with us at the very beginning of the trip. He was with us for about a week and then he had to go back to Iowa to work and he was on more of a road bike, a real skinny tires and mm. we had to change tubes almost daily with him so Mm, yeah I can imagine I mean you're going through the desert there's all sorts of pointy things yes exactly (laughs) yeah exactly okay so now that you're over halfway is there anything that surprised you about the trip or that was easier or harder than expected I know I asked you this question last time but I want an update oh yeah um I I'm actually very surprised at how easy is not the right word but to be able to do 50 miles a day every day you know, we just yeah. finished a span of 23 days of no days off. So it's, I'm really um, 
excited to be able, you know, my body's holding upright. You know, I don't have any, you know, people who bike all the time. Like I don't have any saddle sores or I don't have any major issues with my body as far as knees or calves or legs. Um, You know, for a while there, the middle of my back would get really, uh, almost go numb. And I think it was because Mm. a lot of times you're like holding on for dear life when you've got like, (laughs) you know, semi trucks passing you at 80 miles an hour and you're, you know, you have 10 feet between you and this fast moving vehicles and, um, and climbing. Like for example, we climbed, um, I don't think we, that I had done this yet when we interviewed last time, but in New Mexico, we went over uh, a pass called Emory pass and that was, I think, 8,200 feet at the top of it. So that oh particular God. day, we ended up doing 6,200 feet of climb. And I'm wow. pretty sure that's the most climb I've ever done in one day. And that wasn't even the hardest part of the day, Andrea. <laughs> you know? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So that particular day, we ended up doing 74 miles on our bike. So I'm impressed with myself that I was able to climb 6,200 feet. You know, it all happened at once. You just had to kind of go in your smallest gear and you were going sometimes four or five miles an hour and you just, you know, the grind Mm. to get up there. But we get to the top of the pass and it's super windy and super cold. So we spent, you know, maybe five minutes up there taking pictures, looking at the views and then like, oh my God, I'm so cold. And luckily (laughs) I I had brought my, um, you know, biking gloves with me. So I had those on, I put on both of my jackets but th- going down was terrifying for me. Like Ooh, I was yeah. just like, you know, it's a windy, it's a pass, right? So it's windy roads. Yeah. A lot of times it said speed limit, 15 miles an hour. And of course, you know, one of the guys with us just like yelled at me, don't use your brakes and put a grimace face on, go for it. <laughs> and I'm like, no, I mean, I'm literally like, ee- with my brakes, you know, like anytime I got over like 30 miles an hour, I was terrified. And so I had to stop several times on the way down because my hands were kind of like gripping too tight, you know, on the Mm. brakes. Plus I was cold. Plus I was nervous. So I don't, I I don't want to publicly say that I'd rather climb something than to send it. But that particular day, (laughs) I was ready to get off of that pass. And so, you know, we got to the very bottom and there was um, some super cute town had all kinds of like art sculptures and this huge horse that was made out of wood and it was so cute, but everything was closed. So we didn't get to like, get to explore like all the little, um, shops and stuff, but I lived, I lived to tell that story. Yeah. Well, and you should be proud of it because that's a lot of climbing and that's a lot of descending also. Yeah. And I think not breaking is easier said than done. Right. Yeah. And of course the guy that told me that, I think he was at the bottom of the pass maybe half an hour before oh. I was. So he's just like sitting on a guardrail like, where are you guys? What have you guys been doing? Jeez. <laughs> but I will tell you one of the times we come around a corner and there was a cow standing in the middle of the road. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so I'm on, I'm ahead of a couple people and I'm like, cow. And so then we all had to stop and be like, what are you doing here, buddy? Like, I don't know where he could have gone because it was straight down. So anyway, he just looked at us and we took pictures and went on our way. Probably hiking the pass. (laughs) Yeah. You know? Yeah. (laughs) He's setting some goals too. That's right. Yeah. He's probably doing his cow Strava. (laughs) Cow Strava. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So tell me a little bit about biking in Texas specifically. Uh, I know you've been there for 
some time now. So is everything enormous in Texas or tell me what it's like? I, we have found Texas to be the most beautiful of the routes so far. Um, with the exception of probably like the first two or three days in super, super West Texas, there's not much to see as far as, mm. you know, everything was brown. Um, everything was very flat. I think the excitement of the day was to see those dust devils just like pop up out of nowhere. <laughs> um, uh-huh. But besides that, it was like, oh man, it's just the same site. You know, you could see the highway for probably 30 miles up. You just knew that's wow. that's where I'm going. But one day it was like 30 mile an hour winds. And luckily we had a tailwind. So we were all not pedaling, just standing, you know, looking around as we're, as we're, our bikes are moving at 20 miles an hour and we're doing nothing, standing there looking around. So that was pretty cool. Um, Living the dream. Yeah. I mean, El Paso was beautiful. Uh, That was one of the, you know, busier cities that we went through. Uh, We met up with the Alzheimer chapter of West Texas. And so they joined Mm. us uh, for a meal the night before. And then the next day, a a large group of them, a shout out to Susie Vargas and her crew, they biked with us. So we all had on Mm. our purple Alzheimer's jerseys and we biked through El Paso. And it was, that was a day where it was really fun to get all the friendly honks. You know, people were people were like, you know, obviously those people are doing something. And so that was really fun. That's cool. Yeah, I love that. Well, and fun to connect with the uh, Alzheimer's group there. Yeah. I mean, I know you have been along the way, but it, it seems like a little treat each time you do. Yes. And speaking of treats, Marfa, Texas is oh. an amazing little teeny town. They start advertising Marfa, Texas, like probably 30 miles before we get into the town. <laughs> so you think that, you know, this it's going to be a huge metropolis. It is not, but it's full of... <laughs> art sculptures of all kinds and one of the best ones is in the middle of nowhere probably 20 miles outside of marfa in the desert is a cute little standalone store that is an art installation but it looks like the prada store oh (laughs) so you're biking along nothing 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 then there's a little teeny white building and as you get closer it has the huge prada logo on the top and when you look in there are prada shoes and prada purses and oh. everyone's there to take pictures of it. It's so cool. That's so fun. I love it. Yeah. They should sell Prada handlebar tape. They should. I know. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I would buy it. And then a few, maybe 15 miles further, closer to Marfa, there's um, these giant, like, let's say 50 feet tall uh, cardboard cutouts, or they're probably wood cutouts, from the um, movie Giant. So they're like Mm. from the movie scene. So there's like a, um, I can't remember who the guy is in the movie, but him in a car and then a big uh, cutout of like a hotel. And so you can kind of like, you know, be in that. And then they have music playing somehow. And again, it's in the middle of nowhere. So that was so cool. And then once we got into into Marfa, we spent a few hours at, it was called Planet Marfa. And it was like this cool little bar restaurant they had live music and like really good food and it was all like open air it was very cool so if anybody's in west texas make sure you look up marfa you gotta go love it i saw you bike past stonehenge isn't that in the wrong direction was that in marfa or (laughs) that was somewhere near kerrville texas and it's called Mm. stonehenge 2 and it is, I think it's made out of, you know, concrete. 
you know, so obviously it's not from aliens or whoever you think made Stonehenge in England. From aliens, Murph, just admit it. (laughs) But Stonehenge 2 is probably the same size. It's huge. And we, we were, you know, you can just walk right up into it. So if you look on my social media, you'll be able to see photos of we, you know, brought our bikes into Stonehenge 2. And that was really, really, really cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, okay, so you're biking, you see all these cool stuff. I know there were a couple of days where you're biking without cell service at all. Yeah. Like, yeah. Did you feel nervous about that at all? Because I was like, okay, I know Murph is fine, but where is she? <laughs> <laughs> um, it was a tiny bit, tiny bit liberating because you, every time you look at your phone, like there's zero bars, there's no, there's nothing. So then you yeah. kind of were like, well, I'm just going to put my phone away and actually look around and not talk. And, yeah. you know, you still have it to take pictures. So that part was good. Yeah. <clears throat> At night, it got a little bit, um, you know, like being able to connect with our driver to make sure we we're going to the right place or meeting at the right place took a little bit of extra oh. planning. But yeah. uh, for the most part, it was fine. You know, we're only gone for um, out of the network. We were off the grid for like two full days. So that part was good. And, you know, like I mentioned before, we have a driver who kind of keeps track of us. So that day we just made sure he was always 10 miles away from us instead of 15 or 20. So mm-hmm. if, you know, if some yeah. mechanical problem would happen, we could have one of our riders ride ahead, get the van or get the Jeep and come back. But nothing, nothing happened during that time. Well, thank God. I, know. Well, I know you have lots of practice from rag Bryce. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> You're- well experienced. Yes. So I've seen, I know one of your drivers tag, he's a friend of mine, friend of Ragbri, and he made some social media posts saying, <laughs> talking about some really egregious roads that he had to drive the RV over. Um, and allegedly he made it over that teeny tiny little bridge, but <laughs> are the roads bad for biking or are they overall good? And just that was one bad example. Yeah. Overall, the route is amazing as far as the roads that have been chosen. And again, we use the adventure cycling maps, which is called the Southern Mm. tier. So all of it's kind of been chosen for us. So in that Mm. respect, you know, we're a little bit blind as to where we're going to be going. We just look at the map and say, (laughs) okay, tag, you know, this particular day he had the RV and the Jeep because we were moving forward to our next campground. And so, Mm. you know, they're windy roads. And sometimes he would be like, Wow, that got a little bit interesting, you know, with the 35-foot RV <laughs> and a Jeep behind it. And then the Jeep has bike racks on it. So then there's, oh my gosh. we have bikes on the bike rack of the Jeep behind the RV because we have people coming and going that are biking with us. And so this particular day, um, we ended up on, you know, they're kind of like farm roads that got real windy, beautiful on a bike, but on an <laughs> with sure. an RV, eek. And then in this part of Texas, wherever there's going to be, you know, flash flooding or rainstorms, they basically, I think they're called fords, where oh. the road becomes where the water flows. So there'll be signs oh. saying, you know, there may be water on the road ahead. And sometimes there was. And um, some of those bridges, like Tag was telling us last night that, you know, I I know that our RV is like eight and a half feet wide. And some of those bridges were like eight, eight and three fourths feet wide. And (laughs) so he'd have to stop and kind of look at him like, well, what other (laughs) options do I have? So, well, yeah, I'm glad he made it. I mean, yeah, yeah, that picture looked like 
just barely wide enough on that bridge. Oh, gosh, and yeah. probably I wouldn't worry about the bridge falling down because the RV would straddle the whole bridge. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Yeah. So there were a couple of days, though, where he, you know, we kind of had to do some extra looking at the maps and decide that, okay, why don't you get on the main highway and then meet us here and we'll bike there, you know, to meet oh, you smart. so that we weren't, um, because some of, you know, some of those trees hanging down too, when you think about it, you know, the RV is like, I don't know, 13 feet tall. So yeah, it was oh, interesting. True. And he was laughing too. He goes, I bet you some of these farms, you know, these ranches that we go by are looking out their window going, is that an RV on our road? Like, <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> I will say oftentimes the support drivers have just as many adventures as the cyclists. Oh yeah. <laughs> I, he had a blast and I, I, we have to give a shout out to Tag Muzel. He, you know, like you said, he um, is a friend of Ragbri, but we've been friends with him mm-hmm. for a long time and I got to give him such yeah. a high five for taking time away his, from his family to be a driver for us. And um, yeah. he is on a flight home to Iowa this morning. So we have a new driver joining us tomorrow. His name's Ed. And um, okay. I think Ed has no idea what he's in for, but he is going <laughs> yeah. to have the adventure of his lifetime. <laughs> well, it's too late now, Ed. All right. Good luck to you. <laughs> yeah. He better not listen to this before he flies down. <laughs> oh, he'll be all right. So speaking of cool people, tell us about some of the interesting or fascinating people you've met since we last talked. Yes. Anybody come to mind? Um, we are in the middle of nowhere. There is a, um, lots of, uh, gaming ranches, I guess you'd call them where, Hmm. um, the fences are super tall and they keep wild animals like African animals in there. And then I think they use it for sport where people come in and pay to hunt these animals. So it's a little bit, you know, unnerving for me because I'm a a big proponent of not eating animals, but mm. I can tell you these animals are, were very well cared for because, you know, people are trying to come in and find their trophy antelope or whatever oh animal gosh. that they're going to. But we saw hundreds of miles of these gaming fences, but then we also saw amazing animals, you know, like, cool. is that a white deer over there? And we'd look, you know, <laughs> and it'd be, have these beautiful antlers and it'd be like lounging under a tree with a, a bunch of other animals. So, um, huh. and we saw ostriches and emus and, um, there was actually an elephant ranch, but we could not, and I don't think that was used for hunting. I'm sure that's illegal, but, um, we couldn't see any of the animals from there, but that part was really cool. But you'll be, you know, pedaling along these huge ranches and then you'll come to like a four-way intersection. And, uh, one day we ran into, um, one of those huge, I don't know what they are, huge pickup trucks. And it said like Texas edition on it. So it was like, <laughs> it was way jacked up and had like the big bars on the front so that they could, you know, just hammer through any deer or cows that might be on the road. <laughs> And so we were a little bit nervous because the guy turned around and put his window down and we're like, oh boy, we're either going to have a rifle in our face or somebody telling us to get (laughs) off the land. And this guy was so awesome. He's all like, what are you guys doing? And so we told him we were biking across (laughs) the United States. We gave him one of our cards. He donated. And then he told a story about his sons in the service and his son, you know, was in Iowa at one point and it was one of the best conversations we've had. And unfortunately, I don't remember his name, but man, this guy was like the friendliest Texas rancher you can think of. And so anyway, that was was a really good experience. The other one is Texas Border Patrol. 
So, you know, we were literally uh, riding our bikes along the border between Mexico and Texas several days, several times in several different communities. And so we saw Border Patrol vehicles everywhere. I would... I would almost say thousands because every time a white vehicle would pass you, you could see the Border Patrol logo on the side. But they would also, if we'd be stopped alongside of the road, um, they would stop. And, you know, I'm sure they were oh. checking to make sure we weren't like, you know, smuggling in drugs or something. But um, <laughs> they were also so friendly and they would, you know, want to know what we're doing and they were excited for us. And then they would kind of give us some ideas of the terrain ahead of us, like, oh, you might want to be careful. In the next five miles, you might have some elevation to, to think about. And so um, super friendly. You know, they're all like really, really yeah. young guys. I'm sure that they do Border Patrol before they, you know, go on to their next um, adventure in law enforcement. But everyone oh. was like really young. And I think they're probably like also eager to talk to people because, you know, they're, yeah. they're along the, you know, this border of nothingness and maybe occasionally they may find somebody trying to come across the border. But for the most part, I bet you they're just like alone and bored. Oh, sure. Yeah. Super bored. Yeah. I, I would be. <laughs> yeah. Or I'd be like, oh, what is that dust particle? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, so, okay, yeah. Interesting. Uh, so just kind of piggybacking off of that, I have to ask you about the Border Patrol blimp that I saw you post about. Yeah, it was crazy. So we could see it from probably 15 miles away. It looked like a blimp, you know, like you'd see at a football game. And um, it was up in the air, right? It was kind of floating around. And by the time we actually got to it, it was back down in its, I don't know, launch site. And massive. Like, I can't even tell you how huge it was. Like, it was bigger than a semi-truck. Um, and it was huh. heavily guarded as far as, you know, fencing and, you know, like signs like, <laughs> I dare you to cross over this line kind of deal. Like, so we did not get, we did not get too close to it, but it was full oh, yeah. of cameras and all kinds of radar stuff. So in oh. the sign said, you know, border patrol blimp, you know, do not enter. So we assumed that it goes up in the air and then it must you know, scan hundreds of miles of making sure that the border is protected or, you know, whatever's happening at the border. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of creepy, but I'd also like to see whatever picture it took of you guys biking. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my. From way up high. Oh, man. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> yeah. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> so uh, are you, are there any other stories that you'd like to share from your ride so far since we've last talked? Um, any other cool things you've seen along the way or uh, landmarks, landscapes, anything like that? I'll I'll share one more um, story before we um, end. And I probably shouldn't share it, but I'm going to anyway. So (laughs) share it. it. (laughs) We're biking along beautiful, I think it's like Dripping Springs, Texas. So it's really windy roads, beautiful. The traffic was very mindful of cyclists. So they must see a lot of cyclists. So we're cruising along and there's all these trees on one side and we are trying to figure out what they are. I still don't know what they are. They aren't pecan trees. I don't know what mm. almond trees look like, but they're real short and very uh, well manicured, trimmed, and they were starting to bloom. So I'm sorry, listeners, mm. I don't know what it was, but beautiful trees. So we're we're kind of just meandering. We're not worried about traffic. So we're just all, you know, kind of biking at our own pace and I'm in the middle you know, there's a biker in front of me, biker behind me, but quite a ways away. And I kid you not, Andrea, in the grass alongside of the trail or alongside of the road is a foot. 
a human foot. A foot? A foot. No. A human foot. No way. <laughs> and so I see it and I pedal by it and I'm like, that was a foot in my head. And I'm like, no, it wasn't a foot. Was that a foot? Yeah. And so then I'm like, stopping. We have to stop. There's a foot. And, you know, of course, the people in front of me are like, what are you saying? I go, there's a human foot on the side of the road. Oh, my God. And then the girl behind me was like, what? And so we stop and we look at it. And it's literally a human foot kind of cut off at the ankle. And it's... Was it a left foot or a right foot? It was a right foot. And and the part of the foot that we, we could see from the road was, you know, the, the the bottom of the foot. So you could see all five toes. Huh. You could see the the heel of the foot. And then you couldn't see the rest of the ankle. And so then we're like, is that real or not? Well, yeah. And none of us wanted to get close enough to investigate. And there was kind of like red stuff on it, which could have been blood and yeah. then um, one of the guys with us, Todd, was all like, you can see the rubber, you know, where it was molded. Uh, oh. So it's true. <laughs> it's definitely not a real foot. And then he literally got on his bike and started biking away. And I'm like, is he just saying that? And then now he's terrified that, you know, like some sort of cartel or mafia is watching <laughs> us look at this foot and now they're going to come get us. So looking back, looking back, I am 90% sure that it was fake. You know, it was a Halloween prank. But then, of course, we talked about it last night, you know, in the safety of uh, my brother's home. And, of course, my brother was like, why didn't you get a stick and, like, you know, move it around? I'm like, I'm not going to move it around if it was a real foot. Yeah, no. And then, of course, you know, my sister-in-law was like, well, you, you know, to be honest, it's nowhere near Halloween. So if it was a prank, it was kind of a weird prank. So... Um, so if anyone's ever near <laughs> Dripping Springs, you know, listening right now, please drive along. I don't remember, I think whatever street it was and see if you could find the foot and confirm that it is truly fake. Uh, that's an epic prank. Yeah. I mean, if it is truly is a prank, right. it sure got you. <laughs> or I should be maybe scouring the news, you know, online and saying a uh, body was found missing a foot. And then I'll be like, oh, I know where the foot is. Oh, oh if, or yeah, if you see someone walking around with only one foot. <laughs> then you know where they're missing appendages yeah it was you know if it was actually real it was you know a pretty fresh uh injury because it wasn't you know i you know you and i both love to listen to our murder shows murder podcasts yes it was not uh decayed at all so that's what made us feel like it was probably fake i yeah i i tend to agree with you but (laughs) it was a that or a fresh foot so yeah so there's my there's my interesting like that's you know that's a once in a lifetime story if i ever see another foot i will definitely get a stick and probe it a little bit more but i don't think i'll see another one well maybe i'll get you on the (laughs) pre-ride we'll see yeah awesome yeah Yeah. uh okay so all right so thank you for all the amazing stories that was awesome i never expected a foot story i know i know (laughs) So um, tell me, where's your next Alzheimer's event going to be along the way? And if someone would want to meet up and ride with you, how would they do that? It's kind of a two-part question. Yeah. And we actually have had people um, joining us. You know, I think I mentioned in um, Masila that Sharon joined us. Mm. And then, of Mm -hmm. course, the Alzheimer crew in West Texas. So our next actual event is here in Austin. And it will be Saturday. And it's from the Mellow Johnny's bike shop downtown. Oh, yeah. So we're meeting up with some uh, people that live in Houston are going to come up and bike with us for the day. 
And, um, you know, we basically just meet up, kind of socialize a little bit, talk about Alzheimer's, and then away we go on our bike ride. And from there, our next stop will be in New Orleans, which I'm super excited to bike to because I've never been there. So we'll have, oh, you're going to love yeah, it. Yeah, so we'll have an event there and then an event in Pensacola, Florida. And then guess what? Our final event what? is in St. Augustine at the ocean. <gasps> oh my God. Yeah, so people can follow along. Um, of course, if you want to donate, you can go to, it's an actual Alzheimer's website called The Longest Day. And then look mm. for our team, which is called Biking to Remember. And I'm very proud to say we are almost halfway to our goal. We've raised oh, over $25,000 already for oh, Alzheimer's Association. We're pretty pretty stoked about it. So, Yeah, congratulations. Yay. That's a lot of money. I know. It's awesome. So, yeah, so, and hopefully people are following along with, um, you know, either my Morphology podcast sites or Team Biking to Remember on both Instagram and Facebook because I am updating it v- every day. And no, there is no picture of the foot. So nobody will ever see. <laughs> Only the people listening will know that story. <laughs> yeah, that's how we know who listens to this podcast. They'll either bring up the foot or they won't. <laughs> yes. Oh, so that's awesome. awesome. But so Team Biking to Remember. Yep. And it's, um, yep. you know, it's amazing that I'm half done. I'll be done mid-May. And then it's time to start really getting deep into RAGBRAI. We'll be doing our yeah. um, RAGBRAI 101 series. We'll kick off again. And I know that both Andrea and I have been seeing a lot of messages come in. And we have lots of good episodes coming up, don't we? Yeah, we do. We've been sort of putting them all in the bank till we have a chance to record. And all the RAGBRAI 101s, of course, we're saving up to how we start the series. Yeah. But we have some good ones from you guys. So thank you so much. A lot of stuff we had never thought of to talk about yeah so that's why we asked you because we're so we haven't been newbies for so long <laughs> so it's nice to get that fresh perspective yes for sure so well cool yeah. well Andrea I guess I go I'll uh, take it one more day off and then I'll back on my bike and you're going to be on your bike doing some training and yep. we'll see you next week all right happy trails Well, listeners, that's it for this week. If you're interested in learning more about my bike tour across the U.S., go to my website, which is morphologypodcast.com, and click on the tab labeled Murph's Biking the U.S. Email me at morphologypodcast at gmail.com if you have a topic or the name of a cyclist you find interesting. Support my podcast at patreon.com slash morphology and visit both my Facebook and Instagram pages for daily entertainment. Also, a quick shout out to Simmons Electric for sponsoring this episode. I have more great episodes in the pipeline, so I hope you continue to be a Morphology Podcast listener. Thank you. Thank you.